Hello and welcome to another episode of Part of the Gaps, the podcast that seeks to plug the gaps between the church and the culture. My name is Aaron Edwards and I'm joined by my, well, he called me an effervescent podcast he wants. I don't know why I may call him a, um, a wonderful, panorific apologist, Andy Bannister. How are you doing? The checks in the post for that introduction. I'm doing well. I am doing well. It's um, I am high on caffeine. I've been right, busy writing talks all day, so I'm I'm good, man. And you've got a cup that says "stupid boy" on it. Is that some well, kind of yeah, yeah? So not American listeners won't won't necessarily understand this. So the, I'm a big Dad's Army fan, which is a British comedy uh, show. Uh, you know, yes. sort of thirty years ago, and uh, you know Captain Mannering, who's the captain of the Home Guard, is always you know having a go at the at Pike, who's the younger kind of stupid one, calling him stupid boy. And so my, my my parents for Christmas bought me this huge, it's, you can't get the scale, it's fantastic, it's a massive tea mug, I chain drink tea, and it says, don't <laughs> let it go cold, stupid boy. Um, <laughs> there we go. I just think it's perfect. I didn't know whether it was a uh, some subtle reference to toxic masculinity or something like that you might have been sent by. No, no, uh, toxic tannin, uh, cold tea, or whatever, but no. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's, and we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. On the last episode, we didn't actually talk too much about uh, the fact that you have moved. You know, you, you are in a whole new country now. So, how is it going? Living beyond the draconian laws. Of I have. Scotland? So, for those those listening, I haven't. You know, not, not scare anybody. I haven't left uh, Solas still very much leading the organisation, but we were feeling, you know, the the work was expanding across the country. So um, there was a need to get someone down here, and then also all of our family at family are down here. So we relocated. So. Yeah, it's a strange experience, really. Uh, mm. Politics, as you alluded to there, Aaron, I really don't miss. I have no time for the SNP. Utterly toxic nationalism. We just have disastrous political leadership in mm. Scotland. It's, you know, just an absolute failed state, quite frankly. Um, but, I, you know, the people we loved, they had a great church. I loved having the mountains uh, an hour away. Um, so here... Yeah. We're in leafy Wiltshire, and it's a fantastic, you know, beautiful countryside, rolling hills and fields and stuff. And we live on the edge of a small town, which is lovely. But I do, I do pine slightly for higher, for higher altitude, higher peaks. Yeah, the Scottish peaks are un- unsurpassable. But it's a great place to live, and just the blessing of family. You know, being two hours away from rather than eight hours away from both sets of parents is uh, just great. So, uh, and our kids are loving it yeah. too. So we're, we're we're doing well. We just need to get rid of another thirty boxes, and uh, the job will be done. Excellent. Well, and of course, you know, you've moved for those those listeners, you know, not in in Britain, you know, moving to Swindon is known as a real cosmopolitan like center of culture and everything. That's kind of why Solas is, you know, it is down it there. Is a real presume, location. You know. And uh, although you know the, the village we live in is just outside Swindon, and we learnt very quickly, everybody is very clear we are not Swindon. We well, are, there we are. Okay, there's tribal. <laughs> Yes, tribal. Wilt, Wilt, Wiltshire tribal uh, tribal rivalries. Yeah, that motorway is the big divider. You know, once you cross the M4 towards Swindon, you're into the badlands. <laughs> okay, well, uh, absolutely. Um, so, uh, one uh, one bit of housekeeping. Do we, we do housekeeping? Do we? Do before we, before yeah. we dive into our topic um, today, and I, this is the bit where some people, when I always used to just switch off on a podcast. Sorry, uh, but when you have a podcast, you sort of then realise you, you do have to do housekeeping sometimes. The first is just to to um, let you know that we have a really exciting event coming up on the 17th of July. We is will this be... when you get your beard shaved off, is that? Yes. The... No, that, 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 I haven't raised enough money yet. I'm hoping for to raise, you know, at least £10,000 before I shave this beard off. And then I'll probably sort of sell it 
in piecemeal, you know, across the yeah. across the nation. To any, anyone the, in Wiltshire, relics. Or, so it'll be like medieval relics. People have yeah, a of your the different towns practice. around Swindon will all be, you know, just des- delighted to sort of have a tiny piece of the beard that's mentioned so much, so much by their new favourite son, um, in Andy Bannister. So, yeah, no, we we've got a, an exciting event. We're going to do a live recording um, of part of the gaps at a festival, a Cedarwood Festival. What's Cedarwood? So Cedarwood is a that's quite not quite brand new. They started last year, but it was we're still in sort of the end of lockdown, so it was online. So it's a new kind of Christian uh, arts, music, Bible teaching festival. So it's a three day festival uh, uh, near Durham, up in the up in the north, and just a really fantastic mixture of uh, speakers and worship and bands and artists and all kinds of things. I will put a link in the show notes and uh, both you, Aaron and I, of course, we both know uh, one of the brains behind it is a friend of ours called David Stretton Downs. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I like, because they're a young festival and wanting to try stuff when they, you know, we suggested to them, Hey, what about a live episode of Pod of the Gaps? They were all over it. So mm-hmm. we will be recording live. We'll have David uh, joining us as well. Some of the guests that day doing the emceeing topic to be decided but look at the link in the show notes. If you are in the Durham area or within, you know, two or three hours thereof, firstly, it's a brilliant weekend. Get yourself to it. And then it's a great opportunity to come hear the podcast live. And we're going to do Q&A, aren't we, Aaron? We're actually going to take questions from the audience. Oh, yeah. Think. Dangerous, dangerous. What, 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 what will our audience or listeners want to actually ask us? All the things that they've probably told us individually, but we've never actually responded can, to on the I show. Can, I just anticipate it. We have a question here from a Mr. S. Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> or an M. Otts, even. Right now. Oh. Come, come, come and turn oh. up. Um, yeah, so yeah, very exciting. So we'll, we'll see. And I actually first met David at an event, another festival called David's Tent. He didn't name it after himself. It was, you know, something else. But we, we chatted a long time over, over a fireside um, around that, or a campfire, I think it was. Anyway, so I don't know if there'll be a campfire for, for us, part of the gaps. There may be other kinds of fires that we start, um, as we are sometimes in the in the habit of doing. Um, so yeah, that'll be 17th of July. I don't know if it'll be live streamed, but it'll certainly be recorded, and you can and it go, will go there. out at some point. Exactly. Yeah. But get yourself along, go. be there in person. Absolutely. Right, so the other bit of housekeeping was just a reminder to keep sharing, subscribing, maybe even supporting the uh, podcast via Patreon, because we do sometimes have issues of sound glitches and things like that which we'd love to be able to mend and be able to get the podcast out to a wider audience we do keep having people come up to us and say how much they're really appreciating it which is really encouraging um but is we just sort of want to get their reach a little bit wider because if if the people we speak to find it really helpful that must mean we assume unless we're just in an echo chamber which we probably are actually um what's an echo there must be more people there must be (laughs) that's the sound issues i'm talking about you see um yeah um, that's the problem we'd love to be able to reach a wider audience and we we need a bit more support Sound, I, 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 we should stress, we do mean audio quality. We don't mean theologically sound. The, the soundness, the, the theological soundness quality, we like to think is, is pretty tight. We like to think that, but only because we only talk to each other. And that, is, you know, that, that, that could be the echo show. But anyway, speaking of... Um, Speaking of people talking, is that enough of a link? Look at um, that. That's, look it's at, I mean, it's so link, it's, just done it. Dude. I've just That's done it. I've done all of your links in one go. And um, the, the we, we're following up here from our previous episode, which you may have listened to already, um, on when, which was about when Christians divide over doctrine, when should they? And what about when Jesus talks about unity, and when we need to say no, this is the line, and uh, you know, here I stand, I can do no other, in terms of the Luther phrase around the reformation that kind of stuff we were we weren't going into the reformation perhaps we'll talk about that a bit today but we wanted to talk about when christians disagree because of course there's one thing to say i'm not going to be part of this denomination or that denomination anymore because of what they believe because they've taken a step too far there's many 
examples that, that people are considering over that at the moment, which we discussed in that episode. But there's also just the general sense of how do Christians disagree with one another and how do they maintain unity? How do they continue to flourish together as the body of Christ um, when there are genuine issues? Sometimes it's about belief, doctrine. Sometimes it's about personality. Sometimes it's about um, just a style or a manner of doing things. And so I thought, you know, seeing as, you know, Andy is the most disagreeable person I know, I thought I'd throw it to you, Andy. And you're the only other person on this podcast right now. So uh, what do you think about this issue of disagreement? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I think there's a couple of things going on. First thing is I'm struck by the fact that as Christians, we can often be quite nervous about, about disagreement. I think we're, we're perhaps naturally wired, possibly because of the outworking of the gospel, to be uh, agreeable. And as you say, Jesus says a lot about unity. Um, but then, of course, you can't don't have to be a Christian for long before you discover to your horror that not every other Christian agrees with you. And you, you run into this. I, for me, a good example of that, Aaron, would be when I went to theological, theological college in my kind of 20s, went to London Bible College, now London School of Theology. That's interdenominational. So I went along as a, as a good Baptist, very much the view you don't have to be a Baptist to go to heaven, but why take chances? Um and particularly, of course, one of the things that marks out the Baptist tradition is this belief that baptism is, you know, something that you do as an adult, believer's mm-hmm. baptism, full immersion, none of this sprinkling of infants nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was con- utterly convinced that was the only way you could think about baptism. And that pedo-baptists, that's the kind of, you know, the posh theological word for people who believe that you can baptize children. I thought they were utterly wrong. And then when I went to college and found myself sitting down around a lunch table frequently with people fresh touch as the Anglicans, there were a lot of Anglicans at, at mm-hmm. LBC, and suddenly discovering to my horror, they were thought through. They could give good biblical evidence for what they were doing. Uh, they took the scriptures seriously, not playing fast and loose with the text. And I remember, it's interesting, I'm coming out of, you know, LBC after three years there as an undergrad, you know, and it actually, in my case, ended up shifting my position and, and, and coming to the conclusion that actually mixed practice is okay. Um, mm. And I don't think you're ever going to solve that issue in the church today. There's not some amazing argument that if Baptists produced it, we would convince all the Anglicans, or Anglicans produced it, we'd convince all the Baptists. Mm. And I don't think actually there's a problem uh, as long as one treats the other one with respect. So that'd be when I first really ran across it and re- realized that actually mm. um, I had to be willing to live with. In that case, live with disagreement because um, I tried to win the arguments and, and failed. Um, now, of course, the other extreme, we live in an age where, you know, we talked last week about the Methodist church throwing, you know, everything out the, the window. Did we? I can't remember. We never talk about the Methodist church on here. Do I we? know, I know. And just before we came on air, we were talking about the, this ludicrous report on human sexuality they've kind of they've they've kind of put out and you, some of the stuff in there, and we're not picking on that denomination. There are others, the Church of Scotland right now and uh, the Episcopalians in the US, I think, are probably you know moving into theological areas where the disagreement is far more serious. I mean, if you find somebody who claims to be a Christian doesn't believe in the resurrection, I'm not, by the way, saying those guys haven't gone that far. But if you don't believe in the resurrection, don't believe in the authority of Scripture, then I think there is a real problem at that point. Mm. So I think the challenge for us is navigating. You know, what are the things it's, it's okay to disagree on, and you can still be united and, and disagree. Uh, and one of the things where actually we have to go, actually, this is so serious that we need to there needs to be a parting of the ways. And even if there's parting of the ways, can we do it amicably? We do it without cursing the other person and backbiting them, but still realizing mm-hmm. that actually at this point they're going one way and we're going the other. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good example. And I, I think baptism is one of those issues that does seem a bit is more of those legitimate middle ground where people can 
agree to disagree and there's the closed hand open hand um we've ta- i've been thinking of a lot recently about um the kind of issues where we've said that they're open hand and we've therefore it becomes apathy around what they are so what's in the open hand is kind of like let's say a social issue or an issue of morality sexuality gender for example and it almost breeds a kind of indifference to them um because you sort of go well it's not the resurrection you know it's mm. not the divinity of christ it's not the trinity um therefore we, we don't need to really bother worrying about it yeah there's different interpretations but you know it's just either what people do with their bodies or what they think men and women are made for uh, or not or whatever and therefore it doesn't really matter and actually when you rediscover texts in the bible that you you know, we've sort of glossed over to make sense of our sort of nice namby-pamby middle ground on every issue um it, it can be quite exhilarating actually to rediscovering oh gosh this is really in the bible and there's a kind of filter through the lens you might have been given which is like don't think about that text don't think about that text it doesn't fit the narrative it doesn't fit what we've been told and i just find it quite illuminating to allow the bible in good reformational style to continue informing us and reforming us because we're formed by scripture by god's word in scripture and therefore we need to um yeah continue being reformed and that actually means uh, you know we can easily forget stuff <laughs> a generation a whole generation of the church can forget things that god has said we've seen that before in uh the history of israel for example where they literally lose the book of the law you when when, when josiah and josiah's time they find the book of the law and then they're kind of reading it with a new fervency or when they return from uh, exile uh, there's a kind of re-reading when ezra's um, overseeing the reading of the law and there's the scribes kind of going through it line by line and there's a kind of rediscovery and there's those sort of moments like in the reformation but there have been many uh, moments like that in the history of the church where people have gotten hold of god's word again and gone whoa i didn't realize this was here i didn't realize that it really proclaimed this like a loose this time it was gosh i didn't realize grace was here in such a profound way And there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation to us that's not really a profound truth in the evangelical church because we, we speak about it all the time and it is profound but it's not something that we sort of blast on about in the same way but there are other things we've probably dropped off the radar because we've sort of thought we don't want to cause an argument a disagreement we don't want to harm our witness so let's just not mention it and i'm finding increasingly those things we put in the open hand are coming in and, and getting us in, in another way. I think we mentioned it last last yeah. episode, you know, things that come in through the back door. Any kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I was partly smiling as you talked about Luther because we, um, we've we been unpacking boxes at home because we uh, we moved. And uh, about five years ago, a, a friend of, of mine who uh, was... Who, is a, who runs Alpha in Scotland sent me as a little gift, a little Playmobil Lego, uh, Playmobil Luther. For those who don't know Playmobil, the little plastic, you know, children's toys. And apparently they've done some historical figures in Playmobil. The Luther figure is the best selling in the world, I believe, because it's Luther is massive in Germany. Even people aren't mm. Christians are very you know, proud of that aspect of their history. So it sold mm. millions. So we have little Luther. And in one hand, he's got a quill. And the other hand, he's got his Bible. And actually, we managed to lose the Bible <laughs> a few months ago. It had fallen out. I think my son had been playing with it. And it was like, it felt like that Old Testament moment of going, oh, man, the book of the law has gone. And then the little plastic Bible appeared out of a box last night. So Luther is now reunited. He's there Excellent. on the in our lounge with his quill and his... his so you uh, were worshipping the idol of Luther without the word. Now the word has come to, you know, sanctify exactly. it. Excellent. And, uh, yes. 
if things get too loose, they eventually fall off. There's a well, pun there. You know, um, I mentioned his pun, pun, pun ability in the intro. Well, I th- I, yeah, to pick up a very seriously on your point, I think it is interesting about taking these things seriously, even things like the baptism piece of, of going, okay, mm. just making sure we take a good, a good hard look at some of those things and go, okay, mm. well, you're absolutely sure this is an issue you can lay by the by because, you know, things do have a habit otherwise of um, mm. of sort of, you know, coming in and causing issues. It's actually interesting, the house next door to where uh, we've moved in, 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 in Rawton, uh mm. at some point in the in the sort of flashing underneath the roof they'd got holes for kind of pot lights to go in there's now no lights in in there and we noticed this morning that they've got birds nesting in all the holes along the um i forget the thing the, the, the thing that comes below the roof line and uh, i'm looking up this morning thinking well that's interesting because that's going to set up all kinds of long-term problems if you add birds into your roof space you may, mm. you may find yourself thinking oh it's harmless enough look at the dear little starlings but, you know, I find myself thinking, gosh, our neighbours in five or ten years' time are going to have problems. And I think there's a metaphor there for, for sliding in theology at times that you think, okay, this doesn't matter. And maybe at first it doesn't. But again, to mix metaphors, like the camel's nose under the tent, you know, first the nose, then the whole head. And before you know it, the whole camel's in the, yeah. in the tent. Mm. Um, so this is why this is a challenge, because I think mm. if you're not careful, you can go too far one way and start beating up fellow Christians over things that, that are not essential worship style yeah. i think it's another really easy one yeah, yeah, yeah. you prefer modern choruses or hymns yeah and it's very easy to start getting really lippy and overly confident um you know we mentioned baptism there are probably other things mm. but mm. like you say sexuality there are things where maybe we've had that open hand and gone <clears throat> oh it doesn't really matter but it actually does i suppose one acid test for me aaron would be to trace it back to where does it come out of you know, in the case of, you know, so the reason I think Baptists and say, you know, Anglicans can disagree well over baptism is both sides, evangelicals on both sides, take scripture seriously. And those debates I had at Bible college were around yeah. scripture and text yeah. and churches. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is a serious conversation. It wasn't just, oh, let's just live and let live. Yeah. On sexuality, I worry a lot of it is around, well, society's moved. And so we needed to rethink some things. Well, that's disastrous. You know, I'm even happy to have a substantive discussion with somebody who takes a different view of marriage than I would if they're rooting it in the text. If they're mm-hmm. coming out of the text and are willing to really wrestle with what Scripture says, mm-hmm. then I think at least we've got some common ground. But I yeah. think once you don't, if the disagreement goes back to, well, Scripture has slid off the shelf, yeah, but it's no longer the source, then I don't know, you know what we do at that point. Because but can I, I mean, I would just to interject. Come on, disagree with me. Feel free to... Yeah, let me disagree. We need to have some disagreement on this show. Um, So I think you've described there old style liberalism, which I don't think exists very commonly anymore, because many evangelicals would say, no, we're we're pretty strong on, we've always been strong on sexuality, like mainstream evangelicalism hasn't ever gone, oh, homosexuality is fine. Um, It might be now going head over heels for apologizing for homophobia, whether or not it was homophobic and i think i'm dubious about that as from a virtue signaling perspective but, but i don't think anyone's ever come and gone oh yeah like cohabitation is fine yeah all, all things like the resurrection you can just believe in a spiritual resurrection or whatever even even the atonement um were pretty clear on like people distanced themselves from steve chalk when he first came out with his sort of cosmic child abuse nonsense um a couple of decades ago so i think people tend to know what those main issues are 
And then we can, some, what I sometimes worry about, I'm not, I'm not saying, I would never say you're doing this, Andy, of course, but I would, I would, I know someone who has done this in a, an American writer. Um, should I name? Yeah, I can name, we can name people. because can name published. people. Gavin Ortland. Okay. So a good, nice mainstream, you know, North American evangelical voice, wrote a book called um, Finding the Right Hills to Die On. And I was yes. like, oh, great. This is going to be, this is just what I'm thinking about right now. What should we be? What hill should we be dying on? I was expecting it to be a bit, a bit edgier, and it was really vanilla because it was sort of saying these things we said earlier: baptism. You know, we should be nice and friendly to people who have just different agree, different views because it's very open. And I think baptism is kind of a perfect issue to talk about with that. Though there are other issues that sit nicely within there. Yes, um, but I, yeah, I, I don't. There's loads of other stuff like what we believe about gender, where there's really clear. T- we won't go yeah. into it. We'll do an episode on gender another time. One but, day, you we'll, know, we'll, one we'll, day we'll go back one to day that, we will that go issue. There. <laughs> But this text on it, they're like, you know, it matters to God what these texts say and mean. And we just sort of go, oh, let's not talk about that because that's not what worth fighting about. Um, you know, abortion might, to some might be non-controversial to others. In this country, it's more controversial. We did an episode on that as well. So I just think um, perhaps that the window of the acceptable or unacceptable issues to talk about has shifted from yes, has. previous generation where you literally would have had Anglican bishops who didn't believe in the resurrection or didn't even believe in God. They could be an atheist, death of God theologian. The death of God theology was really big in the 1970s. And, you, and you, it was plausible to be an atheist who was a bishop. You had some weird sense of, um, you know, a, a, the divine in some other way or whatever. I think there's some of that around, though. I, 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 I do agree with you. I think that window, mm. the, whatever the theological equivalent of the Overton window, I do yes. think yeah. that's... There has been a slight shift, but I do think perhaps in some of the higher echelons and some of the established churches, which is why you've got some of the nonsense that's gone on in the Church of Scotland, some parts of the Anglican yeah. Church, the Episcopalians, I do genuinely think you've still got some of those old school liberals because there's not so many around at perhaps the parish level, but they're all at the upper, the upper uh, kind of levels and some of the, some of the levers of, of power. Um, so I still, th- I do think that still exists in places, but I think we talked about this, you know, on the abortion episode, I think what has happened perhaps more, you know, sort of mainstream evangelicals like you know, ourselves lower down the food chain who are not in massive positions of influence in denominations, mm. there has been a tendency to go quiet on things. So abortion is a good example. Mm. Don't talk about it because, yeah. because it causes issues. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, sexuality, don't, don't talk about it. And I can understand that. I can understand why. I'm not saying I agree, but I can understand why if you're a Christian in the secular workplace, you know, Monday through Friday, you, you, there's no way you're talking about that issue mm. because it's the landmine to end all landmines. Yeah. And it comes over into the into the church. But I actually think it begins further back. I think it begins somehow, and I and I don't know where this has happened. Maybe you as a, you know, perhaps perhaps more of window, uh, uh, your finger on the pulse of church history as a theologian than I would have. I think it ties into a bigger issue, uh, Aaron, where we have stopped talking theologically and exegetically in the pulpit mm. and otherwise around the issues that, are really where the rubber hits the road. So, for example, I regularly hear Christians tell me things like, you know, I find it so tough that my son, the pastor on church on Sunday never talks about issues that hit me in the workplace. Right. You know, it's always yeah. di- there's this disconnect. And I think a lot of Christians yeah. have ended up living very disconnected lives. We privatise our yeah. faith. Faith happens on, on Sunday. The world of work happens over here. But it didn't begin with the big ethical issues. It began with the church losing her relevance. Yeah. And people, and so therefore the, the drift happens mm-hmm. and now it's mm-hmm. coming into ethics mm-hmm. um and it and I, and I worry the slide may continue mm-hmm. so there's something about yeah. the church needs to find her voice 
in terms of equipping people for the the big issues of the day. This is why we created all yeah. of the gaps because people went together. Yeah. But even the everyday work related issues. You know, I, I can't remember if I've told the story before. I was first switched onto this was some years ago. We were in a house group in my twenties where um, you know lots of people from different backgrounds and and one of the guys in our house group was the um was very was a very senior executive i think i, I think it was xerox was the company mm-hmm. and we were doing the prayer time at the end we'd done the little bible study as you do and we mm-hmm. were going around you know sharing things to pray for and he looked very quiet all evening and it got to his turn and then he sort of you know looking quite ashen face and well i would just appreciate prayer he said because tomorrow i have to go into work and fire 200 people we're closing wow. a division there's no ifs there's no buts nothing i can do it's not safe it's not salvageable mm-hmm. all i can do is is try and be as compassionate as I can. He said, how does, mm. how does my faith, how do I do that as a Christian? Mm. And I've got to call 200 people in who went on a job at the end of the day. And I remember mm. it really hit me. I was thinking, mm. gosh, we've just had a tweet little Bible study about something or other that's had yeah. no connection yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that's an extreme example, mm. but I think that there's a bigger piece here about, about yeah. the church being willing to engage with the issues that people are facing, whether it's tough work decisions, whether it's tough ethical issues, um, we consistently yeah. just sort of, I think, as evangelicals, we've almost sort of retreated into systematics mm. at times, mm. which is not I unimportant. To- to- yeah. Anyway, no, I totally agree. Okay. What, what do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's funny enough. I was just chatting with someone in my church earlier today, um, who is saying that 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 exact speak about that exact issue. How how are Christians supposed to be? How are Christians supposed to be like equipped to be salt and light in society in the workplace to bring the kingdom of God where they are? If there isn't really anything that helps them to do that in the preaching, in the proclamation, not just in terms of the social ethical issues which they'll face in the workplace, but even just encouraging them, look, if you're going to be a leader in your workplace in some way, let's say you're, you know, this person used the example of someone being a headmaster in a, in a school or, or a head teacher in a school. So in any, you know, that, that's going to take a massive amount of commitment for them and they need to be supported and they're not going to get to as many meetings. And that's challenging because we've said recently, I think we do need to make sure we don't lose sight of the big God's big plan for the church. The church is, you know, the body of Christ on earth, the manifold wisdom of God is being revealed to the world through the church. We don't want to suddenly put a separation between kingdom and church, but at the same time, um, the church in its mission needs to encourage people to be salt and light in the world. That's what the church is for, to be the city on the hill. Um, And so that may mean, if you, how, how would a Christian be able to influence people, you know, that that without that kind of support that they need? I think of someone like, I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but, you know, Catherine um, Burblesing, mm. the, um, the strictest headmistress. As the, In Britain, uh, that's the her, that's the way they, they always talk about it. Yeah, and she's got lots of brilliant, brilliant way of kind of trying to challenge some of the ideologies of today. And if that, I've, I've known Christians who've worked in, in Michaela School, um, who've, who've really enjoyed it, really appreciated the way she's done that and the kind of, um, you know, the brilliant kind of vision that she's cast and the way she's been consistent with it. But imagine if a Christian was in that position, in her position, or even or even helping to support that kind of vision. You know, how would they go about it based on the kind of sermons they they tend to hear? Um, they're not really going to either. There's not something that's really kind of pushing to do that. Um, but in any ways, I'm, I wonder if we're are we veering away from disagreement. We are, we need okay, to add, let's add from. some more disagreement here. I guess we're disagreeing. That's our general way of keeping on theme here. But yeah, so so what about, so we talked a little bit about different issues we might be um, aware mm. of that could cause tension or things where we might deflect from issues deliberately for, for various reasons. And those are things we'll keep returning to on the podcast. But what about just, you know, how do we strive for unity, you know that's what Paul says in Ephesians four, 
and that that passage we mentioned last time, he, he does say, you know, be eager, eager to maintain unity and the bond of peace with one another, um, bearing with one another in love, showing gentleness and humility, um, and patience with each other. So Paul is assuming it's, it's quite helpful. It's you know, it's very good to know that Christians disagree and the Bible doesn't just present this perfect utopia where everyone agrees all the time. Paul clearly has to tell the Ephesians as he has to tell the Philippians, as he has to tell Peter in Galatians, and, you know, as he has to tell uh, the, Roma, the Roman church as well. There has to be a sense in which a disagreement is real. And of course, Corinthians as well is another perfect example. There's so many examples of disagreement in, in, in the church mm. recorded in scripture. And then there's this call towards unity, to be eager to maintain yeah. it, to be at peace without, I presume, um, overlooking genuine differences, which we need to be serious and real about. So how do we sort of mm. put those two together? Well, the interesting thing is that, that you know, you realise, don't you, when you read scripture carefully, that obviously, I mean, Paul is a man who's walked this journey isn't he because the the famous example is of course paul and paul and barnabas you know where yeah. where in acts where in acts 15 um you know they disagree over over, over mark mark has been mm. been long and, and, and on the missionary journey has let them down in some way has made some great stuff mm. up um barnabas is the conciliator and was like well okay give the guy another chance and uh paul disagrees and then mark, acts 15 39 it's quite strong language isn't it they had such a sharp disagreement they parted hmm. company. So remember, Paul and Barnabas being commissioned by the by the church to go and you know sort of take the gospel across the country and uh, across the land, and they've had a great partnership, and they literally part ways. But what interests me is, yeah. so there's the, the the Bible is honest about that this happens, but then what I find fascinating is the way that we don't have all the bits of the story, but amazing things happen because of course Barnabas and Mark go off, and God uses them in amazing ways. Paul and Silas go off and use hmm. them in amazing ways. But then, obviously, reconciliation eventually happens because then you read 2 Timothy, and at the end of 2 Timothy, there's this mm. lovely little line where, where Paul writes. He says, get, get Mark and bring him with yeah, you. Yeah, Luke is with me. Yeah. Get Mark and bring him to me. Uh, I'm not, not only that, I just think that's exciting as a student of the Gospels because you've got these mm. three, you know, really significant early Christian leaders. You've got Luke, who wrote a Gospel. You've got Mark, who wrote a Gospel. You've got Paul. Uh, together and Paul makes almost those reference bring my scrolls especially the parchments I'm like man I'd love mm. to be in a fly on the wall in that meeting but obviously mm. reconciliations happen and the other fun thing actually I've mentioned one of my favorite writers F.W. Borum quite a few times in part of the gaps but I was read, read, read an essay uh, mm. uh, uh, Borum wrote on disagreement uh, a few months ago and he talks about this and he he points out of course you know he wonders whether you never know but you know, Mark ends up when Mark ends up writing his gospel. Most people, most scholars think that that Mark is writing the reminiscences of of, of Peter. Um, mm. so there's a close relationship between between Peter and, and 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 Mark, and there's various reasons why folks think that. And the fact that there's that close relationship it makes you wonder whether, of course, Peter and Mark both had in common. They let the side down. Peter let the side mm. down spectacularly, denies Jesus. Mark does something spectacularly stupid, and you know causes a, this rupture in the early church mission mm. and you do it's a lovely idea mm. that paul and that peter and mark found this connection of both mm. had been made mistakes and both had had reconciliation mm. and, and grace mm. but it also mm. shows me that trajectory in scripture scripture is honest that there is disagreement sometimes there will be division sometimes christians will go separate ways yeah. but also yeah. even though it was that drastic the holy spirit can bring things back together and that's a comfort because i think the thing we haven't talked about on, on this episode right is yes disagreement can for theological reasons and sometimes has to mm. disagreement sadly happens between christians who believe the same 
thing. You know, I've had yeah. examples yeah. of friends who are both, you know, faithful evangelicals, believe in scripture. There's no doctrinal disagreement, but something has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been hurt and disagreement. And that's always mm-hmm. very sad. And of course, as you say, Paul talks about unity, Jesus talks about unity. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. helpful to I love that 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 example there in scripture of going, God mm-hmm. can do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And we must never forget that, that it's not human cleverness or you know clever counseling or diplomatic strategies that that bring brothers and sisters back together sometimes it is nothing more we can do than pray and allow the holy spirit to to heal the wounds yeah that's really 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 helpful and and usually that would be a wonderful point to end it on if you were the host you four say, minutes so you need to yeah, do if, if you were the host you'd say what a wonderful way to end it but actually i'm not going to do that i'm going to disagree not going to disagree I, I i totally do agree i want to add a little caveat and i and, and i caveat. think it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on if we have time. Um, so, amen. God brings people back by his spirit who have failed. And that's a, a wonderful part of what the gospel is. We are all example, living, walking examples of that as sort of failures who God has made into winners, not by our own righteousness, but by Christ's. And not only winners in the sense that we have Christ's righteousness, but you know, we are those who are able to flourish in him. The more we, fo- we kind of focus on him and root ourselves in him, the more fruitful which you could argue successful, we could be in our life. Now, success may not look like the world says, but nonetheless, we'll be fruitful for him in his kingdom when we follow him and trust him. But um, there are those who don't do that. And there are stories that don't end as well as, mm. as the wonderful thing in Mark, where we have that little nice little detail of Paul mentioning him. Because even in that same, you know, those instructions that Peter gives at the end, I always remember the kind of, tragic maybe this tells you about my character focusing on the tragic stories i don't know um but he also mentions um demas for example not only does he mention people who've come against him like alexander the coppersmith mm-hmm. we've, we've mentioned him a few times on this show but he mentions demas um who is in, in love with this present world and who's fled uh, he said he's fled from me and gone to um thessalonica so there are some people who have stayed with paul and some people who haven't he mm. mentions at the beginning of the letter as well. And it's really interesting. I do, I'm fascinated by those details in the, in the epistles where you get the reality of people. There will be people who let you down. And, that, and, and really, Paul has to tell Timothy that this has happened. He doesn't go, oh, I won't mention any names. Mm. Um, he has to mention names. He has to say, sorry, stay away from this person. And this person let me down. This person probably isn't very trustworthy. And we have to be real about that because there's some people who could listen to what you just said and go, exactly, isn't diversity wonderful? Isn't it wonderful when the Holy Spirit brings us all together in unity? And of course he does. Of course it is. But there's a reality as well that that doesn't always happen. And um, we, need to w- we need to work out how to disagree well, exactly as you say, um, how to disagree in a way that doesn't make our own, insisting on our own sort of bugbear as the most important thing um, and, and, and a reason to divide over every issue. So then going back to that Ephesians thing, it's like, are we eager to get to bring come back to reconciliation and unity, especially it'd be interesting to hear what you think about this in the context mm. of a culture and society which is so big on diversity that it's easy for Christians to kind of come in the slipstream and say, Oh, yeah, the Bible cares about diversity, and it, and we just get swallowed up in the diversity narrative of the West, which is not the same thing at all, is it? No, and I think this is a very big idea to introduce right at the end. So, we've made another episode on this. I mean, obviously, you know, the two big. It's, it's helpful to, to reflect both on unity and diversity, isn't it? And I think, and I think what's yeah. interesting is you see those two things in, in scripture. Scripture doesn't simply go diversity is amazing, uh, and the more diversity mm-hmm. the better, nor does it simply go unity is fantastic, we need to squash all diversity. But the interesting thing is, and I remember it was the theologian Colin Gunton, 
I first saw really unpack this really well. Colin was at King's College for many years and so he died quite young, but wrote us some, mm. some amazing books. And one of my favorite theology books ever was written by Colin and it was called The One, The Three and The Many, which really unpacks mm. what it means to be human in the light of the Trinity. We're made in the image of God who is unity and diversity. And Colin in that book talks about the fact that, look, in one of the oldest philosophical problems in, 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 in existence is the problem of the one and the many. Is reality one or is reality many? And that idea that you know, the Greek philosophers argued about, lots of folks have argued about. And then he has the, the, the smartness to apply that to the modern world and said, look, in, in the world today, we see that in societies. There are some societies where unity is uh, emphasized at the expense of the many. Think of totalitarian societies like China. The state is, is, mm. is God. Individuals are just mm. squashed. The flip side of that is we have the post-Christian West where individuality has gone rampant and there's nothing that holds us together. Mm-hmm. And then Colin talks about the fact that when Christians live in community that, that, that really models out and lives out what, what it means to be you know, someone made in the image of a God who is unity and diversity, we should see both those things. Mm-hmm. Churches, when they're functioning well, should places where there is unity, we're united around the gospel, we're united around mm-hmm. the scriptures. You know, It's not a free-for-all, mm-hmm. but at the same time where individual diversity is not is not squashed. It's not everyone has to look absolutely the same. And that's a challenge. Mm. You recognize in the book, that's not always easy mm. to get right, but people should look at the church as places where that mm. where that happens. And as society, I think, in the West becomes ever more di- down the diversity rabbit trail, and there is nothing that holds us together. I think it's ever more important for Christians to go, yeah, we're, you know, the gospel says some really positive things about diversity, but it does it in the context of, of unity. You know, we are in Christ is what unites us. We're not in whoever we want to be. We are in Christ. And, and to be a brother or sister in Christ is a very serious thing. Um, and that should therefore affect how we think these issues through. Mm. Great. That's really, really helpful. Um, and yeah, and like I said, you know, it's it's something that we will keep talking about. Um, and especially in the sense of, you know, if you're listening to this and thinking, gosh, I have a disagreement I need to think about, don't just bury it. Don't just think, oh, I... I uh, I won't go there because I'll keep the peace, especially if you're British, because British people like to keep the peace and not really say what they really think. And we you do need honesty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're down in England now. You can say what you want, Andy. No one's going to tell you off. Um, yeah. So, so, and there, there is that call in the Bible to not quarrel, isn't there? Unnecessarily. In, in Proverbs, taken up in the epistles, mm. avoid quarrels for the sake of it. Don't just kind of go in trying to cause troubles, trying to be a fly in the ointment all the time. But there are important issues in which you might need to ask questions and you need to be real and open and honest as Paul was with Peter directly confronting him as as Paul and Barnabas had to be and then we leave it to the spirit we pray for each other we hope that we are eager to maintain the bond of peace uh, together so we hope that you will do do the same and we also hope as I said earlier that you will continue uh, supporting this podcast and uh, liking subscribing all the rest of it and we hopefully will see you um, at that Cedarwood Festival in a few weeks' time. We'll yeah, do get along if you're in the, the area. Be fantastic. Splendid. Well, um, I've been Aaron Edwards. This has been Andy Bannister. And this has been Pod of the Caps. Farewell. Goodbye. Goodbye.